The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We'll get to that coming up, but still on the COVID front, we know over the past nine months that there's been plenty of questions about COVID and children. What symptoms appear more often? What should parents watch out for? And are children more asymptomatic than adults? Well, we might have some clearer answers thanks to researchers at the University of Alberta. Their findings have just been published in the Canadian Medical Association uh, Journal. Dr. Joan Robinson is a pediatric infectious disease specialist along with a professor and divisional director in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Alberta. Dr. Robinson, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. Um, boy, oh boy, the past 10 months, um, you know, must, um, or 10 months a year really, must be absolutely, for lack of a better word, fascinating for you, given the work that you do and as you watch how this has unfolded in the population and especially in, in children. Well, yeah, so who would have ever predicted that the world would change forever because a virus spread from an animal to a human probably somewhere in China last December. And even though viruses commonly spread from animals to humans, hardly ever is it a virus that's as smart and clever as this one. And the way this virus differs from many others is it so readily spreads from one person to another. And to make it even trickier, often people have no symptoms for the first two or three days that they are infectious. When you look at, um, you know, the spread among adults compared to children obviously it seems that you know well it is adults are getting it uh, more than children any idea why so that is very mysterious so if you look at influenza children commonly spread it to adults for example in japan at one point they used to immunize all the school-aged children against flu and once they stopped doing that there was an increase in the number of deaths in old people, probably because the children who were no longer immunized were bringing it home and infecting the adults. But the way that this virus appears to be different doesn't seem to spread quite as readily from children to adults or from children to other children as do other respiratory viruses. And the other difference is most respiratory viruses are most severe in the very young, so especially children under one year of age and in the elderly. But this virus in children of all ages is generally really very mild. So since the pandemic began, there have only been 296 kids admitted all across Canada um, with COVID. And some of those children were actually admitted for other reasons and just happened to have COVID. For example, reviewing the cases at the story, about half of them were admitted for completely unrelated things, for trauma, for example, new onset some medical condition. Dr. Robinson, could it be, um, and again, I, I talk on the radio, you're, you're the doctor, and so this is just pure speculation on my part. When we hear about COVID-19, certainly in adults, oftentimes we hear about comorbidities, and those can be anything from, you know, whatever high blood pressure to, to COPD, for example, um, and, and that it can have, that COVID can have a, a more dramatic effect, obviously, in people who have comorbidities. 
I'm wondering, is it possible that that spread is not as much among children because there are less comorbidities technically for 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 youngsters than let's say adults i mean you know high blood pressure and being overweight um is a different story for a child right well that's a bit but i think it's important to recognize there are lots of children out there with comorbidities yes and born with congenital heart disease unfortunately obesity very common in canadians mm, okay. Now, children with comorbidities are more likely to get made to hospital with COVID than are completely well children, um, but still way less of a problem in children than in adults, unless unlucky enough to get something called multi-inflammatory syndrome, which is really quite rare. Yeah, and we've had a couple of cases of that. I think you're at least one case in uh, in Alberta, but there have been a couple across the country. Ha- 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 um, hasn't there been? Yes, for sure. There have been some cases, but fortunately, none of those children, as far as I know, have had really bad outcomes. So, in fact, so far, there have only been two deaths all across Canada in people aged 0 to 19 years. Wow. And only... So- only 50 admissions to ICU and again some of those admissions might have been with COVID rather than because of COVID. And and we don't know why though, why it is less than in children. I mean that is still what is being worked on. Um, you know if we if we kind of you look through this this microscope this microscope, can you speculate on why that that might be happening? One theory might be that children have more recently been infected with other coronaviruses, so may actually still have a better immune response to COVID-19 than do adults who have not seen the other coronaviruses often for years and years. But that's only a theory so far. Yeah. Dr. Joan Robinson joining me this afternoon. She's a pediatric infectious disease specialist, University of Alberta doctor. Uh, this new research that has been published in the Canadian Medical uh, Journal, um, it, it looked a little bit more at symptoms and, and, and what those showed and what they led to. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown on that? Um, when it came to some of the most common symptoms in children, what did you find out? So I was actually not involved with this study, but I'm happy to comment on it. So a really interesting study in that they showed that if children present with a cough or a runny nose, that could be COVID or certainly is just as likely to be some other virus. But children that present with, with nausea and vomiting or with headache or with fever or with the inability to smell or taste, um, in this study, we're more likely to have COVID than to have um, other viruses. On the other hand, I don't want people to go away with the idea that if the child throws up once, that means they probably have COVID. The children in this study were mainly small because they had been in contact with someone that had COVID. If you look at the average child today in Edmond who has fever or headache or vomiting, they probably do not have COVID. However, mm-hmm. the change in taste and smell appears to be somewhat specific for COVID. So I'd be quite concerned if my child told me that they can't taste their dinner tonight. Um, I think there's a fairly high chance that that child has COVID. 
interesting. Now, this study, um, as I mentioned earlier, done by researchers at the U of A, they analyzed uh, 2,463 COVID-19 test results from children in the province between April 13th to September 30th. One of the things that I found interesting, uh, Dr. Robinson, was that one-third of children who tested positive from uh, for COVID-19 had no symptoms. And there's been a lot of talk about the asymptomatic um you know cases in this province what can we what can we take away from that well i think in the beginning we did not expect this to happen and that's why people were not advised to wear masks and that's why we let people cross international borders even though they had covid um because they had no symptoms and we assumed that almost everyone would have symptoms by the day they became infectious but this has proven not to be the case and we're not sure what percentage of people never develop any symptoms in this study a third of the kids had no symptoms on the day that they were swabbed but i would bet that if you had called the parents up a day or two later at least some of those children would by then develop symptoms because as i said earlier you probably have enough virus there to easily find it for two, even three days before you develop any symptoms. I would mm. guess one in five children probably never do develop any symptoms. And that's probably, it's probably less common for adults and for children to never develop any symptoms. But even in the elderly, there are rare reports of people who had COVID who never admitted to having any symptoms. Now, of course, one problem with young children, how can you tell when they have nausea, for example, or a sore throat or a change in taste or smell? Yeah, it was, Dr. Robinson, was there a, was there a, a, a line, was there like age groups when it, when it came to where we saw more of the negative tests or maybe when we started to see more of the positive tests was there an age where that seemed to happen more well in this study they didn't actually um look at uh, look at that in great detail okay but pardon me trying to remember whether the really young children i think were less likely to be positive but you can't really look at whether they're symptomatic or not because you know until children are usually about two years old you can't really tell whether they have symptoms <laughs> yeah interesting so it's not some of the symptoms so what can we learn from all of this dr robinson so I think your child has any symptoms on the very long list of possible COVID symptoms, you have to consider the possibility that they might have COVID. So certainly don't go away from this with the idea that if they have a runny nose, you don't need to worry about COVID. However, you then have to decide whether your child should get tested or not. So, I mean, basically in this province, there are two options. You can get your child tested. If the test results come back negative, then the child no longer needs to be isolated. If you decide not to have your child tested, normally they should be isolated for 10 days. However, in the schools now, they have created exceptions where if you... Uh 
it's only one symptom on a particular list of symptoms, then they don't need to be tested as long as they don't develop any other symptoms, and they can go back to school when that one symptom is gone. So examples of the symptoms that qualify are things like only a runny nose or only a sore throat. However, symptoms that are not on that list are things like fever and cough. If your child has fever or cough, they need to either be tested or stay home for 10 days. It, it sure is a confusing time for a lot of parents, I mean, with just trying to figure all of this out. Well, yes, and I think initially parents, you know, often take their child in for testing. But, you know, by the time you drag four children along, the fourth time to get swabs done up their nose, it's not as novel as it was the first time. So I think you should blame parents for sometimes now deciding just to isolate instead of actually um, getting the swabs done. Before I let you go, how do you think that this information will be able to be used moving forward, even in, you know, developing, I don't know, some you know, public health guidelines, policy, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I think at some point you could maybe use this information to advise parents better as to when, when it's worth getting their child tested. Um, you know, from the beginning, we started testing only people with symptoms. Then we would test anyone who wanted to get tested. Now we're back to testing only people with symptoms. But the system has really been overwhelmed. And sometimes people are waiting days and days, even more than five days, to get a result back. So maybe we yeah. need to look harder at, at who we really should be testing so that we have a higher yield from that, from that test. Result, but you know, very hard for public health to sort this all out on the fly. It's everyone's well, <laughs> first rodeo, and every day there's new information. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, the goalposts keep moving. Dr. Robinson, thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate your time. Okay, you're welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye, Dr. Joan Robinson. She's a pediatric infectious disease specialist. She's uh, also the divisional director in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Alberta. You can read more about that study if you want to. There's a story up at uh, globalnews.ca. You can just Google Global Edmonton.